We're, we're gonna blow the dust off these library shelves. <laughs> did we did we not appoint anyone to dust while we were gone? No, we. This is really gonna act up my allergies, guys. I'm no, so please sorry. don't. Please no. Aww. This it was already a dark and spooky library, but at least it wasn't dusty. So welcome back to Darkly Lit. After months of being away, we are finally back and ready for action. We are we have come to bring you uh, the witches by Roald Dahl, which we announced months ago. <laughs> <laughs> it took this is that that's why guys it took us like what six seven months to read. That's oh, October. We decided we needed to come back for October do our our fall cleaning. Yeah, there was a lot going on. We needed uh, the break, and honestly, I think it'd be wise for like any podcast to take some like some. A, like a hiatus after a certain point or a, not hiatus, but like a small break. Yeah. So that way it keeps the juices flowing. And we're also developing a network or something like that. <laughs> something like that. We don't know what it is. Exactly. We managed it somehow. Um, so uh, with the witches. Um, uh, wait, wait, wait. I've forgotten who we all are. That's oh, how long yeah. it's been. Who yeah. are we? Hi, I, I am think, Kayla ba- I think my name might be David. I'm Sade. <laughs> and I am Kayla. Yes. Hi, I'm Kayla Berry. I am your host for this <laughs> evening. Uh, Why are you taking my name? Because to the immediate right of me is David King, the one who just spoke. Oh, man, you guys. I've got so much mouse solution. I've got so much mouse solution to sell on the black market. <laughs> And then uh, to the north of us is uh, the lovely Jesse Reyes. Also better known as Sade among our little creepy community. I host the Witching Hour and, and manage but- other things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, was, I supposed to, maybe. was I supposed to talk about the shows I do? No, you, you, you don't have to. Okay. <laughs> a couple. People, people, people might know them. Like Midnight Marinara and Undercooked Analysis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yes, The Witches. Surprisingly, there is quite a bit to discuss, um, not just with the book, but um, uh, I I saw the movie, too. Um, have you guys seen the movie? I watched it earlier this week for recording. Uh, it has been years and years since I have seen the movie, but I did see it, and I do remember parts of it so okay. yeah well uh, you can be our resident what stands out to you memory person um uh, like uh like so when we get to key points exactly yeah okay um but uh i also figured because it's roald Dahl, who is a very famous author if you guys haven't guessed like you might remember him from writing your childhood favorites like charlie and the chocolate factory or Matilda, or I'm trying to think of others like James and, and the Giant Peach. Yeah, the BFG. And, yes. Um, Charlie and the Great Gas Elevator, Elevator, the sequel. Um, and then also he's I'm more a uh, fan of his adult <laughs> stories. The, I was about to say childhood favorites like Switch Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good book. So yeah, he writes amazing adult short s- stories, and I hope to get into those because they're really creepy. Uh, some famous ones include Lamb to the Slaughter, which has been, like, readapted into... I think it's been adapted into a radio play before. It's, yeah. I, think it's, 
I know it's been adapted into a Alfred Hitchcock story. Or uh, the Alfred, Alfred Hitchcock Hitch- presents. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. If I, I'm not sure which one we would read because uh, there's a lot of creepy horror stories to it. I think the one that got me the most freaked out was Pig. Like that one was just like came. Oi. Oh my god, Oi. that came Oi. out annoyed. <laughs> that's that's that end. So the ending is just one of those like whoa my. I, like I read in the middle of the night and I got scared. <laughs> Well, then, we have other things from Mr. Doll that we can put on our uh, our, our future reading list. Yes. Potentially. Um, I think I the reason I chose The Witches because we were trying to discuss some um, childhood books we read yeah. that were horror-based. And um, I think, yeah, this in terms of, like, something that is for children and horror-based that resonated with me, I think The Witches was one of them. Um, in terms of, does it hold up? Well, let's uh, find out. <laughs> yeah. So. Why don't you give the summary, David? Okay. So the story. Uh, so the story is told from a first-person perspective. Our our narrator is never named, as far as I know. No, he doesn't. He does in the movie, but not in the book. Right. So um, our 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 narrator um, is involved in a car accident while on his way to uh, with his parents to uh, Norway to see his grandmother. And he survives, but his parents are killed, so he goes to live with his grandmother in Norway. And his grandmother knows an awful lot about witches and explains to him that witches are not human. They're basically a race of beings that appear as women, but you are, there are very obvious telling signs about them. And their goal in life is to eradicate all children from the face of the earth. Um, and throughout his grandmother's stories, he kind of learns about the witches uh, eventually, due to his parents' will, he has to move back to uh, Great Britain, and uh, they end up staying in a hotel uh, after his grandmother gets sick, and on the doc- doctor's suggestion, they go out and get some air. And while he's at this hotel, he happens to be there when all of the witches in England are having a little convention uh, led by the Grand High Witch of all the world. Uh, when he catches wind of what's going on on accident and has discovered what the witches are up to, he is the first to be, he's one of the first uh, people to be turned into a mouse with this plan of the Grand High Witch to turn all the children in, of England into mice uh, so they will eventually be killed and eradicated. Um, so it's up to the mouse version of our narrator, Grandmama. And the ever useless Bruno Jenkins, who doesn't actually do anything at all to stop the witches and save the day. Is that something like a fair summary? Yeah, that's a fair summary. All right. Good job. Um, good thank job, you, David. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I will give the biography of Roald Dahl. And I think when I give some hints about his life, it'll make sense. For example, his parents were Norwegian. That sounds about right. So, I kind of figured he had connections, like familial oh, connections. Oh, yeah, he would actually, he spent his summer vacations with his grandparents in Norway. That's, so, yeah, mm, again, okay. yeah, very, very true to life. But he went to school in England. Um, so his dad also died when he was four years old. Oh. So one thing you got to know about Roald Dahl, he suffered a lot of tragedy. I mean, a lot of tragedy throughout his life, like. Many people close to him died, so it might say some things. But um, uh, during his time at like school, uh, like schools, like um, 
he went to a cathedral school and then eventually a private school. He was kind of a practical joker, like a he, he like he liked to do pranks. He was he was definitely a troublemaker. That's not surprising based on the his sense of humor that you see in his writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was also someone who always wanted adventure, like just w- very excited. Um, his mom offered to pay for his tuition to college, but um, he actually this is the exact quote that he says. No, thank you. I want to go straight from school to work for a company that will send me to wonderful faraway places like Africa or China. And yeah, that happened. <laughs> so um, he actually took a job um, with the Shell Oil Company in Africa. And he stayed there for about seven years um, and then went on to join the Royal Air Force. Uh, he trained in Kenya Um but he ser- he served in uh, the Mediterranean. Um, ac- he actually crash landed in Egypt, and uh, it left him with like injuries to his skull and all that. Uh, he actually uh, got a hip replacement and two spinal surgeries, and eventually was transferred to Washington D.C., where he was a the phrase is assistant air attaché. Okay. But it was during this time he actually started writing um, his first. Uh, a children's book was called The Gremlins, which was, if you recall, was made into a Disney, like a... a right, story. right. A constant menace to pilots are the Gremlins. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. That, a, that's Roald Dahl's story. Yeah. Weirdly enough, you, you get a little... you The Gremlins were a consistent sort of urban myth throughout that. So, like, I was, I was quoting the... Um, I was quoting Mel Blanc as Bugs Bunny in that yeah. part because there was a short about them. But yeah, there was originally going to be Roald Dahl and Disney do the Gremlins. Fun fact, the Gremlins did eventually show up in Disney canon, but only through Epic Mickey. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's right. Yep. Those are Roald Dahl's Gremlins. Oh my gosh, that's right. I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, eventually he went on to marry a film actress, actually Patricia Neal. Have you ever heard of her? Rings a bell. Um, Gracie's clearly heard of her. <laughs> um, I'm trying. Uh, she like uh, she was in like uh, as an older actress. She was in Breakfast at Tiffany's and The Day the Earth Stood Still. Oh. Um. So uh, yeah, it, and also she was an Academy Award winner too for mm. her role in HUD in 1961. Nice. Uh. So. They uh, they were married for 30 years, like very long time, and they had five children, but one of them died at a very young age. Oh, Again, no. just bad stuff. But uh, he would tell his children um, bedtime stories, and that would actually help inspire him to write uh, actual children's book. Uh, what he said about children was they're highly critical. They lose interest so quickly. You have to keep thinking things ticking along and if you think a children is getting bored you must think of something that jolts it back something that tickles you have to know what children like um and uh that was his thing like he he believed that children also were more uh grotesque like <laughs> or ha- like they were more vulgar and that was one of the reasons why he thinks he did so well because it was like he wasn't afraid to take it to that limit because he's like children are naturally interested in that sort of stuff and it doesn't affect them like adults would. Well, you think about how uh, how dark even some of his kids writing and like his children's books are 
And I, I have respect for that. And then like, you, actually you, you, not not like talking down to kids per se, but like presenting violent stuff and gruesome stuff in a very whimsical and jolly fashion, I dare say. Yeah. Um, you can see that in The Witches as well. Oh, it's so prevalent in The Witches. And we'll get into that. Um, so he also... Um, his wife actually suffered from multiple brain hemorrhages, and she like basically went through this huge long recovery where they like she had to learn how to walk again and everything. Doll stayed by her side the whole time, and then they end up divorcing. Damn. Um, he eventually married um, Felicity Ann Crossland, and she stayed with him until his death in 1990. Which, if you, the strange thing is, uh, this book was written in 1983. Uh, the movie came out in 1990. That probably would have been the last movie he would have watched. That was... Oh, wow. Huh. Uh, that was a, a book based off his writing. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, l- let's get into the witches. Um, what do we think? Like, what is our general opinions? I think it was a really fun read. I've actually never read any of Road, uh, of his work. So, for me, it was it was a little different... I don't think as if I read it as a kid, it would have been scary for me. But I think I would have liked it as a kid. As an adult, it was a fun... I think I read it in, like, two sittings. But I wasn't feeling like, oh, man, this is a kid's book. I was like, oh, this is a cute, fun little read. I think because, like, how you guys were mentioning, he's not afraid to kind of step up those, like, like gruesome little details for the kids made that more enjoyable for me as an older reader. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. No, and I and I can agree to that too. Um rereading it, like I, I don't know why. I think um my brain even after reading the book still associates with the movie a little bit more. Um I like the book, don't get me wrong, and there are some things about the book I like more than the movie, I can say that for sure. But uh it it definitely is meant for kids. Uh as a kid I really liked it. Um, as an adult, I'm like, this is still enjoyable. It's still meant for kids. But I, I mean, there are, like, I lo- a lot of the details that I like are still there that I really enjoy. I love the description of the witches. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that, uh, that like, oh, we're just, in Norway, we're just used to, like, people saying, yeah, your kid's now a mouse. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> oh, okay. We're in England. That wouldn't be just disrespectful. <laughs> it's just, I, there's some like good humor in there. That was, that was kind of my attitude mm-hmm. reading it. Like I enjoyed it. And I like, like Sade said, I got through it pretty quick. I mostly read it while we were flying back from, um, from Florida where we all were, by the way, we were all, <laughs> all three of us were in Florida for Mickey's not so scary Halloween party. Before this recording, uh, I was, we said, Hey Sade, are you here? And Sage was like, yeah, I'm here. My body's well, here. my body. But my heart is still at Disney World. <laughs> I was thinking about how nice that last day was at Disney Springs we all had. Oh, that was mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. We got to eat Guy Fieri's chicken. It was great. Yeah. That was actually really that nice. That chicken was good, That too. was good chicken. Guys, I don't care what you think of, uh, of Guy Fieri. His chicken restaurant is actually pretty dope. If you're in Florida, go to Chick or and you're in Orlando, go to Chicken Guy. It's so it was fun. Um, it has neither here nor there with Roald Dahl. Um, <laughs> so I'm read most of the book 
on the flight back and it gave me something to do. And I thought to myself, there's there's parts of it I really enjoy. Um, there's parts of it, I, I, but there's other bits of it that I feel drag. And that's just kind of my thought of it. And if there's a certain point where I, I was reading, I'm like, I'm just not, if I didn't have, if I had anything else to do, I probably would have put the book down, but I didn't. So I kept reading and I like overall, I, 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 overall, I'd say, I think it's, it's a, it's a pleasant read, but I'm not kind of with Kayla. If I, I don't know if I would read it again, unless I was maybe reading it to a kid mm-hmm. in my life. Cause I, that's where, that's part of the fun of it. I think mm-hmm. is imagining yourself like that. And, um, and I'll, and I'll get into more what the, the parts that I, I did find kind of repetitive and maybe the parts I did enjoy, but like overall my my opinion was for of the witches was it was enjoyable it's all right i think for me the parts that that i felt were dragging on a little too long where i had to like push through were the parts where i felt like i knew well because of the movie oh yeah maybe it would have been a quicker read if we hadn't all seen the movie even if it was a long while ago like i felt myself like thinking like okay i'm pretty sure this is just what the, happens in the movie, and I'm bored now. Let's hurry and read past this. But I think after I, watching the movie a few days later, there were some details that I found. I think I enjoyed the book more than the movie, but maybe just because the movie didn't age as as well. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Um, with the movie, uh, the animation, Practical the puppetry. Effects, yeah. It's still creepy. Oh, like yeah. that with with that with the camera angles. Like um, because I, I reach rewatched some of the clips recently, and I was just like, Jesus, this is creepy. I can't eat right now. This is ah. Uh. The the only part of the movie that I remember, like here's the thing. I I when I say I saw the movie a long time ago and barely remember it, I mean that. Okay, what do you remember specifically? I very distinctly remember the conference. Yeah, that's probably... Where the Grand High Witch reveals herself, and she's that really hideous looking... She looks all super hideous, and she's got the long nose and the greasy head, and... But, by the way, Angelica Houston is a goddess in that Oh, Angelica, yeah, yeah, exactly. And very distinctly, I remember the way that she leaned toward the camera and went... Don't droppings. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Her, her, yeah. The camera work on that film, I think, is what wins it over. Is what makes it uncomfortable and creepy, and and it's great. I think that conference scene in the movie is done very well, and I think is actually an improvement over the book a little bit. And the reason why I say this is because during the book, yes, there it is a still a very power like really good scene, but there's points in it where i was just like why are we doing this like like the apparently the uh witches are saying tell us old one tell us yeah right. that okay i'm like who that what? was that was the bulk that was the bulk of my criticism it's like the majority of the book is that conference mm-hmm. really when you think about it the majority is that conference and it goes on for a very long time and it got repetitive whenever you'd read you know oh what Oh, what terrible things we'll do! The witches cried in unison. I'm like, I love the idea. Like, I'm picturing it very literally. Like every time they speak, and it says they collectively did this. Like they all spoke in perfect unison. Yeah. Did like, that. Tell us, old, old grand, tell grand, us, grand witch. What about the ancient ones? You know, like stuff like that. So it just that part started to drag at a certain point for me. Also, why is there a whole chapter dedicated to explaining the whole recipe? 
of this. Uh, but that's a plot point later. No, and I know that. But because did we really need a whole chapter? I don't know. The, but it's important because our protagonist and his grandmother, he remembers it, tells his grandmother, now, like, we can make this anytime, and then we can use it to destroy all the witches ever. Which, there's a little bit of logic there that I want to go into. <laughs> there's some plot. Yeah, there is some logic. But I want to get into that when we get, like, when we talk about the ending. I'm more interested in talking about the sure, sort of that bit right there. But also, um, what would you say if I may pose a discussion question? Go ahead. What would you? What was the parts? What was? What would you say was your favorite part of the story? I honestly, the conference is my favorite part of the story. It, it's <laughs> like I have a love hate relationship with it. Like it is still an incredible scene. Like first off, the way it's handled is. This is a scary moment for this kid. And it's really true. Like in the thing, he's like, oh my gosh, you saw this happen? You lived through this and not died. Like he was like, like got this like seating of watching these witches have a conference talking about killing the kids. And he's like freaking out. Like this is like a a tense moment if you like as you read through right if it weren't for the yeah the repetition is kind of ruins it but like that's why i think i like the movie better because you're still like watching him going oh my god and you're like with the camera works you're like oh my god like the mm-hmm. the like the women do look the way that they make the witches look looks frightening angelica houston's makeup is insane <laughs> I like for in, in the movie, she takes off her her mask and she's got this big nose, and then it still like even grows a couple inches. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. Um, the one thing though, uh, uh, again, one thing that the movie did over better than the book. So she immediately takes off her face and is able to see it, and then she suddenly says, "Remove your shoes, remove your gloves." I like it better in the in the movie when she's. Slow, it's slowly like remove your shoes and it's like okay remove your gloves now remove your wigs and then that's when she reveals and you're like oh my god oh my god i think it's interesting though because the way they describe the grand high witch in the book is they almost describe her like she's a rotting corpse like the way she looks is she looks mummified mm-hmm. which is not how i would describe angelica houston no in no no, the no, movie. no no you i that's still she she looks like a, here's she looks like a hag. No, like a proper like Baba Yaga crone no, in the movie. No, 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 you have you? I rewatched this. I was thinking, okay, it's not that bad. No, it's horrifying. Yeah, but it's to me, really but horrifying. to me, she doesn't look like a rotting corpse. She looks more like a no. creature, a monster. N- no, but in the book, they describe her as looking like like a mummy, basically. Uh, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But I'm not saying they're they're both equally grotesque. They're really they're both equally grotesque in their own way. And I just like that each one is very different. Mm-hmm. I feel for but me. But still, equal. if we're gonna compare the movie to the book for the conference scene, I think the lead up, the build up, like how Kayla was saying, how it was scarier one versus the other. In the mm-hmm. book, I'm just gonna call him Luke because that was his name in the movie. The boy oh, okay. Luke was. You know, he at first was like, oh, okay, well, it's okay if I if they find me because they're the respectable society of cruelty against yeah. whatever what it was. Um, but then it's like, oh, wait, they all have gloves. Oh, they're all itching their heads. Like, he slowly realizes that 
and it's like, I can't show myself. And then they start taking off their wigs and their shoes and whatnot. And so that built that tension that mm-hmm. then is ruined by all the excessive dialogue. But in the movie, there isn't really any of that. And I noticed in the movie, too, when they were, since I guess I have the freshest memory of it since I watched it from beginning to end a few days ago. They mm-hmm. went in describing the witches. They completely leave out that they all wear gloves. In the, uh, in in the, the movie? movie? Yeah. I don't remember oh. hearing that detail at all. They go into, like, the itchy, like, itchy scalps because of the wigs and to the feet and, like, the that kids smell like shit or dog shit. And, yeah. Uh, do- dog droppings is yeah. the word they use, but. I don't know. I think uh, the, the book led up to it better, but, like, yeah, those effects that were in the movie were just too good. <laughs> and that, that would have scared me as a kid. I would have been like, oh, that's gross. <laughs> oh yeah but oh it reading is it as a kid i don't think i would have been scared no the reading part isn't as honestly when you read it it's not as scary i i was not scared by it as a kid mm-hmm. but but it's funny because like uh i think Roald doll as he worded it is right on the money kids really aren't as offended by the vulgar stuff and um stuff like that as adults that's when we look and we're like, oh, God, and we notice it. And I feel like that's kind of like with this book. There's stuff I notice in this book that still kind of is really dark. Like, uh, for example, um, so uh, the main narrator, Luke, and Bruno are b- both turned into mice. And they, at the end, they don't turn back to human. They remain mice. And actually, there's a point, like, there's a chapter where two dark things are mentioned. One, they say, what's going to happen to Bruno? And they said, oh, I think his dad's <laughs> going to... Well, how did, how was oh, it? yeah, I was about probably to bring that drown up. Drown him in a bucket. Nope. Drown no, yeah. him in a bucket. And yeah, like, they'll probably have the whole teleporter. Knowing knowing Mr. Jenkins, they'll probably have the whole teleporter drown him in the fire bucket. And they're like, that's sad. And they're silent for a few minutes. And then they just go on like, oh, whatever. It's Bruno. He was a fatty. No one cares about him. <laughs> Rolls like, is really mean to that kid. Uh, by the way, what this is, is and this what is, is a consistent theme with Doll's work. No, no, are no. you a shitty kid that you are going to suffer? No, no, no. He had a thing about people that ate all the time. Like right. this was a theme in his book. So like, oh, um, I noticed. So in Willy Wonka, there was Augustus Gloop mm. who ate all the time, and then that was his flaw. But then also in Matilda, there's a character named Bruce Bogtrotter, who is also someone who eats all the time. And then he gets punished by being forced to eat a whole cake in front of the whole student body. Right. He's a, he but, was. But that was it. That was it. But, but you, a, you're sympath- at least you're sympathetic for him in that it, case. But he's not played up to be. It, Bog Trotter's not played up to be like, oh man, because because you're you see the Trunchbull do it and you're like, oh no, poor kid, what what but the hell? But I'm like kind of wondering, like I I don't get why is this such? I mean, yes, overeating makes you unhealthy and it's or it can be really troublesome and stuff like that. But it's why is this such a bother for Rodal? Like I can't I think he doesn't like people who do things in excess. Think about Willy Wonka. I mean, I know we're deviant, but think about Willy Wonka. He, Mike TV watches too much TV. Veruca demands everything. Uh, Violet is, you know, an obnoxious gum chewer. Um, just all the kids have things that are like, they're fixated on one thing and they're greedy. I think he's got a problem with people who are gluttonous and greedy. Yeah. That's, I think that's a, which is fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> his two, his, 
of the seven deadly sins, gluttony and greed <laughs> are the ones that he. And it's not like he's like particularly mean to Bruno through the whole book. It's just no. at the end, he's like, "Well, look at Bruno's parents. Parents again, greed. His parents are like, we're insanely rich, and we think you're a mad lady to the grandma." But uh, second dark thing, uh, uh, the narrator. Yeah, because he's like, "How long do mice live?" Oh yeah, that's right. Like, oh geez, and he's and the the grandmother's like, "Well, I've been researching this," and she's holding off. You can tell this. It's about three years. However, you're not a normal mice person. You would probably live longer, like nine years. <laughs> Anyone else feel like that was a lie? Yeah. Maybe. But, but like, like she's something to make her. This was but actually, then he says, I, "Sorry, go ahead." You know, I, I was just gonna say that he's happy about it because his grandma doesn't have much to live long either. So he doesn't want to outlive his grandmother because she does. He doesn't want anyone else taking care of her except for her. Mm-hmm. It's, like, really sad and morbid, but also really endearing. It's bittersweet. It yeah. is a bittersweet. It, like, or, like, that thing she mentions about, like, did you know how many times your heart beats per minute? It's, like, 500 beats per minute. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when I hear, I can actually hear your heart hum when you're on the pillow next to me. It's, like, both sweet, but also you kind of think about how rapidly a mouse's heart beats and that this is a kid and he's going to die in nine years if she's not exaggerating. Like, that's crazy. Like... Not to mention, he risks, he gets part of his tail cut off in this story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, he's in the kitchen, and, um, like, uh, he, he actually, so one of the things that, um, uh, just to our listeners, that uh, the narrator does to get back at the witches, or basically take them down, is he's able to steal a bottle of the mouse-changing potion and puts it into the soup that will be served to the witches later, and then they all turn into mice, and uh, all it's in a hotel, so everybody's going crazy. The and- plan, I think that's one of my other things. That plan goes through way too smoothly. Like they from from idea to execution, it's like boom, perfect. It, it, all the rich witches are exactly where you want them. It's it doesn't bother me as much because it is a children's story. Yeah, I mean it's not that big a deal. But, it's just one thing I noticed. But and then also each I think one of the great things too, for the most part, each each chapter, yes, it goes smoothly, but there's always something tense that happens. Right. Or something you're like, oh shit. I just I had a harder time feeling the tension went during the whole dinner bit where he's trying to get from the din- diner. Like I, I I didn't like there's I don't feel like he's gonna get caught. I don't well, feel like well, the stakes did, are gonna well, escalate and escalate and escalate. Get, he did get catch. Well he but, did, but that part was that part was hilarious. Yeah, because he, was, he crawls he, up the guy's pant but he, leg. But he lost lose some of his tail. Right. That's horrifying. Well, when when that happened, that broke things up, and I was like, "Oh, good, something with consequences actually but, happened." But then that also conflict. happened to like with the witch. He like it is a tense scene when he goes into the witch. That's room. true. That's true. Because like she locks the door, and you're like, "Oh no, oh no, <laughs> oh no!" And then it's like the witches come in. Uh, and ask for this, and you're like, please say he gets out, because mm-hmm. that is a very tense, like, sticky situation, too, to just run for the front door. Right. When there's, like, now not just the Grand High Witch, but, like, five other witches now mm-hmm. there. And then the toads I, that were hiding under the bed. Yeah! Oh, my God, yeah! And also, it's like, um, who are they? Like, they're, were they kids? They're, they're, we don't know. Like, shit. 
We never, we never see. Luckily, it's a good thing those toads are safe when you think about it, because the Grand High Witch and all the other witches were were turned into mice. So oh. she was planning on doing some terrible things to those toads, and now she can't. I find, so. it, I find it funny. It's like you can chill in there and like under the bed until I go to sleep, and then I throw you guys out, and good luck because you're gonna die. <laughs> I the one thing I've noticed about these witches because when the five stories are explained, the children are. Not killed necessarily. They're, well, they're just put into situations where they don't exist as children anymore. Well, the um, I mean, I was gonna say my favorite part of the book was actually just the con- almost the conversations between um and Luke his- and and his grandmother because I'll, I'll call him Luke because it's the closest thing we got. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the mo- I love those moments because I like the bonding and I like that I like the idea that she's you know. Here, here they are. It's a frame. It's great. They're in Norway, and it makes sense that this would be the origin of witches. But, but, but let, let me, let me finish. What, I'm just gonna say one thing. I find it awesome that she smokes cigars. That is like, I love the fact that she's <laughs> just. That is, it's a complete flaw. But she's like, no, I'm gonna do it. Screw you guys. I, I'm, I got her doctor like, stop smoking because it'll kill you, and she just keeps smoking. And she's like, ha, well, fat chance. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Um, I was gonna say, um. The Norwegian witches behave differently than the British witches. I think that's the whole point. She's describing what happened to kids in Norway. All all witches want to do different things to, you know, er- eventually eradicate children, but their methods are different culturally. Like she described how um, American witches want to make sure the parents are somehow the ones who do the kids in. Mm-hmm. And then like I feel like English witches have a have a particular sense of cruelty. More so than the Norwegian witches who like sort of a, they just, they're not kids anymore. They get involved in some situation and then it's just over for them. Mm-hmm. You know? You're a porpoise now. You're stuck in a painting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they seem to have a more artistic trait. So uh, that's one thing I really like about the world building of this story with the witches is culturally, again, all the witch, all the witches in each country are different. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, do you have a, wait, uh, do you have a favorite part, Sade, or? Um, I think my favorite part was actually after he got turned into a mouse, and he's like, I don't think this is so bad. I think I could live as a mouse. That, I, 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 that surprised I agree. I me, help. yeah. I, I do like his, the way he's very happy with his being a optimism. mouse, and this is actually, yeah, it's actually developed throughout the whole thing. So when you, when he says, no, I'm very happy, it's fine and that I'm a mouse, honestly, the ending of... As bittersweet as it is about him saying, no, I am glad just wanting to be with you. I believe it because it does the way that it's developed throughout the whole story is, yeah, he does enjoy being a mouse. He already loved mice because he had two uh, William and Mary before then. By the way, they disappeared into thin air. Where are they? they, When the witch, when the grand witch kicked them, I was like, oh, they're dead. And like, oh, no, they, they skittered away. Well, that's nice, at least. Yeah, so we never see them again. Yeah. I kept I kept expecting like him to run into them as as mice, and then they could communicate and they would help each other out. Did, didn't that in the movie like, he does run into them, but then that's it. He just meets them under like that in like the vent or something, and then he's like, okay, later. But then he uh, does yeah, like, get them back at the very end. The like now good witch returns them. To, oh it. yeah, so there. That's a. So we will, we will get to that because we do have a question on that. Okay. Okay. Um, I did um, want to point out one other thing that I liked from the book and they ruined in the movie 
was the grandmother's character in that I agree where she she was all like like yeah we're gonna stop the witches together and like she was like really like smoking her cigars like we're gonna kick ass and in the movie she's like oh no you're gonna get hurt we can't do this oh i'm old and frail and not cool anymore oh come on grandma grandma was my favorite character because she she was like like i want to imagine like she never described how she lost her thumb but i like to think that she spent the majority of her life being a kick-ass witch hunter Mm -hmm. and now she's and she's still doing it which is awesome oh which 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 a file that's right and she admitted that like he's like are you a witch file retired one which i'm like dude what has she done what has she seen how many witches has she killed <laughs> like she has a thumb missing like dude that's awesome no grandma was my favorite character and i loved how she, how no nonsense she was throughout the whole book she she was very matter of fact with everything i just she she endeared herself so much to me and i loved her throughout it so oh, grandma was my favorite character same um, and also, I loved her relationship with her grandson. Like you, it's believable. It's- yeah, that's again. That's why my my favorite parts were all the stuff where they were together, and she was just kind of telling him stories and taking care of him. And I was like, this. I love the relationship they have. They're this very good, um, very good relationship. And it, that's why the whole bittersweet ending makes it believable. Yeah, that, that- I gets you right here in your heart <laughs> that beats five hundred times a minute. Um. Okay, so, but um, I actually, I hope this this isn't a question, but we were we did touch a little bit on the ending. Um, so they have this plan. Yes, yes. Because of everything we did at this hotel, we can basically start working on getting rid of all the witches in the world ever. Mm-hmm. Because here's the, we know where the castle is. We know where. How do they think think of this for a moment? How are they going to use the? mouse formula a second time or even a third time wouldn't the witches know that this is a plan that backfired and wouldn't they prepare themselves like realistically they might be able to pull it a second time especially if they don't know who they are and how they did it but isn't it likely that the second time it happened and the grand high witch and all her like retinue turned into mice that the other witches around the world would like be aware of this and be like oh shit maybe we should like be way more careful. I don't think it's going to work more than once. See, my thought was like, oh, how are, if they just turn into mice, they'll still be sentient. How do we fix this? I'm like, poison. <laughs> I mean, really? I like how they're just straight up like cats. Cats, yeah. <laughs> Bring in a bunch of cats and just have them go wild. I'm like, but poison? Unless they're immune to poison, but that wasn't a plot point that was mentioned. So, right. Uh, arsenic man no i'm kidding i mean what what do you think Zade? i mean i was like keep you're gonna die soon <laughs> you can, you're gonna die soon like, let them let them plot their their, their ideas because like we even the grandma was like getting the reason they were even at the hotel was because grandma fell ill with pneumonia yeah so i don't know i was like okay you plot your cute little plans you're both gonna <laughs> die so they're I gonna die. Yeah, age. They're gonna age and um, advanced mouse age will kill them respectively before the witches do. Honestly, <laughs> I, now my question is: Did Roald Dahl think of like a sequel for this? Like, are we gonna go? Where, where was he thinking of writing a book where uh, narrator and his grandma go on some badass witch hunting together and traveling the world and are like? 
but it, which again, grandma is a, and the mouse together, which honestly, it's which a, of files. It's a really great come to think of it. That's a really great image. Okay. <laughs> How about we get into these questions? I yes. Like let's this. do that. Let's do that. Okay. Um, do you guys want to start with Dovey's questions or Alex's questions? Who who sent who uh who, who Alex has how many three and then Dobie has three. Also also three. three. Also three. Let's go. Let's switch back and forth. Okay. Yeah. We'll start with Dobie then. This book uses a style of capitalizing words for emphasis, like older literature used to do more often. Though I guess this was mainly in the intro. Does this successfully capture a fairy tale vibe for you? And would it have gotten annoying if it had been used throughout the story? So it's kind of two questions. No and yes. <laughs> like it, 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 it doesn't feel. The book doesn't feel like a fairy tale. To no, me. it no. doesn't. It's still got that and that whimsical feeling, but it's it wouldn't fall as a fairy tale for it's, me. It's postmodern whimsicalness. <laughs> I'm I'm not sure why. I mean, why is there a capital letter? Because you need to understand about real witches. Capital okay. R, capital W, real witches. I kind I do like that. I I actually do like that in the beginning in the I, intro. Like, I, that's fine by I me. I think that was the idea. Is he put the emphasis like, no, 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 these are real. I'm not trying to screw with you here i'm being perfectly honest with this real witch and then real small in the corner tm (laughs) (laughs) okay um that's a simple answer to a yeah yeah okay next a question from alex the movie added the grand high witch's assistant who turns good at the end what do you think of this change I don't remember this, so I'm um, going to let you two discuss. I, I know what he's talking about. Yeah. So first off, that the there is a character that is added to the movie. Her name is Miss Irvine, and she's played by Jane Horrocks, who is an, a great actress. She was in Little Voice and also Corpse Bride, so awesome, awesome woman. Uh, but anyway, uh, so she plays the assistant to the Grand High Witch. Now, very, very is, abused assistant. Yeah, very abused assistant. And then she basically gets her redemption arc by, at the end, uh, using her powers to turn Luke back to human Mm -hmm. and bring him back as mice. Now, I remember... Now, the... I I read up on this because I... That is probably the biggest change from the book to the movie. Mm-hmm. That Luke don't Luke doesn't stay a mouse. I do remember no. that he 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 didn't stay a mouse from the movie. So. No, um, he so Roald Dahl hated this. He absolutely hated this ending. He's like, you guys don't get it. Why are you doing this? Like, but here's the thing about Roald Dahl too. He was very particular about his books being adapted into movies. Like, he was very iffy about who got chosen, like, like what changes were made. Like, he hated Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. He hated that movie with a passion. I want to know which, which movies he liked, which if adaptations any. he liked. I mean, no, well, he's, he, for, he, he liked a lot of, with this one, he actually liked a good chunk of it. He was very happy that Angelica Houston was cast as the Grand High Witch. Like he was like, yep, that's my top choice. I or that's that's a good choice. I love this. That's awesome. He was very happy with that. And honestly, I agree. She is a gothic goddess who needs to be in this. Who does a really good job in this flick. 
Um, but <laughs> didn't she also play the the oh gosh, what was the character? It's Morticia name? Adams. Yes, I know, but yes, I know. But also, didn't she play the friggin' uh, supreme leader in uh, Captain EO? Was that Angelica? Yeah, that's, that was Angelica uh-huh, Houston. Uh-huh. Let me see this gift. So she has a, she already, she's good. She knows how to, well, and that was. <laughs> she, she was a scary metal lady there who yeah. threatened Michael Jackson, but that was fine. <laughs> My whip warriors. Anyway, um, you know. I think we, uh, I I have to agree with Doll that it, it is a terrible ending. I didn't like it. The also the other reason I didn't like it is because you don't really feel like like why the fuck is she suddenly good? Because the only reason she was spared from being turned into a mouse was because the Grand High Witch was like, no, you go eat your dinner in the room and do my shit or whatever. And that's it. Yeah, that's I, thought, I mean, I thought spared. the whole. I yeah. thought the whole point of the book was that wi- all witches mm-hmm. are irredeemably evil. That was the idea behind it. So I, well, here's another thing I read up is the movie created two endings. It created the original and it created this happy ending. So, uh, it, and they did it with the test audience. And of course, test audiences, <laughs> it's the, it's the late eighties, early nineties. They're all like, no, we want a happy ending. They're the reason these these are the same audience to people who didn't like the unhappy ending in Little Shop of Horror. So let's change it uh, to them getting married and living happily ever after. But anyway, um, again, so the and that's the thing with Hollywood. You have to go with um, you have to appeal to your audience. I understand why they did it. Like, I can understand why they did it. But I agree, it does take away... Like, if they did that in the book, I would be like, this is kind of not that great. It's like, we, we, we were meant to believe that they're, these witches are evil, like, pure evil, and they need to be destroyed no matter what. That's just who they are. You can't change them. They're not real women. And then not only that, there's this whole like time where he's like, I love being a mouse. This is so much better right. than being, being a boy. And so, like, him being able to stay a mouse is very believable. I don't remember in the movie if he ever made as many comments about that, though. Uh, I think we, I think just based on what you all are telling me and the bit, I can't remember. It's like, yeah, that's disappointing. I think, Mm -hmm. uh, I think the book, the book had it better. And I would love to see the original ending of the movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, and, uh, but also I don't think the movie develops the relationship with the mother, like grandmother and grandson, as well as the book does, as well as, yeah, like if you look at the grandmother in the movie, she looks like she's 60. <laughs> like, I, it's like, yeah, I can believe her to be a grandmother, but I don't believe her to be like this 80 something year old grandmother who's who, built like a brick house. They always talk about how, how like, how like <laughs> big she is. Yeah. Which is cool. No, she's, she's a, She's kind of very plain in the in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, she she's kind of bland, and that's disappointing. She, like she was definitely a downgrade. I want giant grandmother. <laughs> giant grandmother with cigars. <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, did did she, she have the cigars in the movie? Yeah. Good. Okay. She's, okay. She still at least had her cigars. All right. Uh, should we should we do the next question? Okay. Uh, 
I am going to sum sum up this question a bit. Okay. This is from Dovey again? This is again from Dovey now. Okay. It seems to me that the general media trend is toward sympathetic portrayals of witches, especially given historical context. Um, so I guess in, in most recent years is what he's meaning. Um, what do you, do you all think of the portrayal and how do you feel about the media trend of sympathetic slash human witches? Witches get stitches. No, honestly, <laughs> I no, um, I feel like, yeah, they're witches, but I feel like they're a different type of witch. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think, um. I like I do like the idea of like witches being seen as sympathetic. Like but I the thing is like Sabrina the teenage witch's witch is not the same witch that is in the witches either. Mm-hmm. Or like uh I'm trying to think of another sympathetic uh witch story. Um Kiki's delivery service. Yeah, the, she so that's Sorry. a good movie. I love that movie. <laughs> I love that movie, too. Man, who doesn't love Kiki? I'll uh, tell you, who people without soul. <laughs> but, like, again, that witch is not the same. It, it is not the same creature yeah. that is in uh, that is in Roald Dahl's The Witches. I think when you see that, a story that, with, like, a sympathetic witch, this witch is, is very human. Or they are human. They just have magical powers, and that's what makes them witch. We're told in the beginning of the story that these witches, these real witches, aren't human. Capital R, capital W. <laughs> aren't human at all. They just look like women when they're disguised, but they aren't human in any way. Yeah, they're straight up. I mean, I think he even says they're straight up like demons. Yeah, and that's... They're weird. otherworldly creatures that prey on children. It, they basically, you could give them another name. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't it wouldn't make a difference. You know, again, I mentioned a, I mentioned that you know Angelica Houston's made me think more of a Baba Yaga kind of figure because mm-hmm. of the long nose and everything. Um, I mean, yeah, these like the fact that these witches are creatures and not necessarily is very like yeah, basically all the witches in Dolls Universe are Baba Yagas. Mm-hmm. They're beings that have that aren't that are just look like this mm-hmm. and they have sorceress powers. And I think so. maybe that's the problem with the movie. The movie was thinking a little bit too much like, no, like witches, like human witches. I'm like, no, no, honey. He, these are creatures. These are genuinely evil demon creatures. There's, there's no human about them. And that, I think that was the idea behind doll doll's idea. And I think that's why the ending in the movie does not work mm-hmm. because Again, they're not human. And yeah, and keep in mind, like I think sympathetic portrayals of witches are are totally fine. It just it's all it's all about context in this, and we we are given and Dahl makes it very clear that in context these are not these are not human. So yeah. that's part of it. So uh, I have like I love the way witches are portrayed as being sympathetic. I really do enjoy that. Um, I like uh, I there's a lot of stories that I enjoy that include witches that are portrayed in a, like from their point of view. And it's very likable. Um, and I like those stories, mm-hmm. but I like this one too, but and I don't find it demeaning of witches in general. No, not at all. It's just, <laughs> yeah. it's just, it's just a different creature. I like the, same the variety name. is nice. Whereas like, I like, you know, my Dracula vampire, but I also like, monstrous bat creature vampire it's kind of like exactly no one's asking exactly. you no one's asking you to 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 take uh count dra- to take like 
uh, Universal's Count Dracula over, say, Castlevania's Count Dracula over, say, Count Orlock. Mm-hmm. Like, they're all different vampires. Same name, just they're different types of creatures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think with the witches, it's even more so. Like, the only real similarity that I can think of with, like, the witches to the typical witches, they do have magical powers. Mm-hmm. But... Well, also the proclivity to go after children, which is kind of the sort of like oh, more yeah. boogeyman vibe, or again, the more sort of like fairies that steal your kids. Mm-hmm. So the fact that that sorry, which has come from the Black Forest. Oh, of no, Norway. go, go sorry, ahead, go yeah. ahead, say. I was just gonna share a fun fact about my family. All the women in my family sure. call each other bruja, which is which is yeah. Spanish. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> bruja. Yeah. It's always weird. Like I remember, I remember very specifically a moment in Arkham Asylum where, um, where Bane keeps calling one of the doctors the Bruja, but no one, everybody in that universe is too dumb to know what that means, except for Batman, who very dramatically says, "It's Spanish for witch." <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the next question? Okay, next questions from Alex again. Which of the grandmother's stories about children cursed by witches was the most effective? And I'm gonna say my favorite one is with the girl in the painting because I think that's the most I tragic was, one. Me too. I was gonna say the exact same thing. Me too. I love that one. Honestly, I think yeah. Go ahead. That's one that they they definitely go into in the movie enough that they like show the painting and the aging girl. It's spooky as hell. Mm-hmm. I love it. You know, I, I would have hired a painter. Like, if that ever happened to, like, someone I know or a child, it's like, let's get a painter to, like, paint in, like, a dog for them or something. What if you had the <laughs> painter paint you into it? Whoa! There's a story there. Oh, man. <laughs> Do you guys remember, did you ever see the first episode of Night Gallery, The Cemetery? No. Mm-hmm. I never, I... Surprisingly, I didn't watch too much Night Gallery, which is weird because I loved I love that type of anthology like Twilight Zone, Outer Limits thing. Right. It's a well, there's a it, there's a, a plot point about that is a painting that keeps changing, but it's static. So it reminded me a lot of that. It's mm-hmm. it's a painting of a cemetery where a uh, where over time, every time this guy looks at the painting, there's there's a, uh, a grave that is dug up and then the coffin is open and then there's a hand sticking out of the coffin and every time the painting changes it's a little different it's really spooky yeah i think we're all in agreement that the the girl in the painting is the most powerful mm-hmm. story told by the grandmother I do also yeah like the one about the the boy was he turned to stone or or something the one about the the one who becomes the umbrella stand. Yeah, that's right. I just feel like I would just imagine he just becomes this family heirloom that is passed down. But then, like, finally, someone gets him and is like, "Why the fuck do I want this thing?" And just like throws him into a thrift store or the trash. No, <laughs> that'd be that's dark. Yeah. Wow, dang. <laughs> but I could see Doll writing that too, yeah. like writing something like that. Like, um, he gets sold in a thrift store and then. Who wants to buy an Umbrella Boy on eBay? Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, that was actually a very easy question to answer. Okay, last uh, question from Dovey. Okay. Sounds good. How does this compare with other books by Road Dahl for you? Do you see any general trends in the way he approaches the world and fiction displayed in his work? We did already mention some things like the characters who excessively eat and such. He's definitely, the thing is, you. a lot of his stories have that same sort of theme of, like, uh, not everything works out in the end. 
like even in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you actually, this is not shown in Willy Wonka, but in the book, it actually shows the people or the kids coming out and they're changed by what has happened. Like, for example, um, Mike TV literally is stretched out so high that like his arms are like wiggled out and he's now going to suffer because of that. Or um, the fact that um, Violet Beauregard has been squeezed and now she looks like a like this like a prune. Yeah. Yeah. It, it like the imagery in this is just. I mean, nothing good really happens for these kids. They got to live with their consequences. No good shall come of this. And then um, Matilda. That's more of a happier ending, but she still. It's more the fact, um, as I mentioned before, Roald Dahl went through a lot of suffering, and so a lot of his characters suffer in some way or another. Like, this character, his parents die, he, and he's in the car when the car crash happens. Um, in Mr. That part that part is actually low-key really horrific, because mm-hmm. he's like, I won't talk about that day, but the fact that he was probably stuck in that car with his dead parents for a while. Mm-hmm. That's and, scary. And, 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 they leave that yeah. completely out of the movie. He's at home with Grandma, yeah. and they just don't come home. Oh no! But it, it actually, uh, the fact that that happens, it makes even more sense why he would cling so much to his grandmother because that's his right last living relative, and would you? And it actually gives more credence to the ending. It's like I don't want you to, I don't want to outlive you. I mean, he had to outlive his parents. Yeah, it's mm. wow. Yeah, super, super deep and dark and tragic. Yeah. So he, like. Personal tragedies is a theme throughout all of his work. Like Matilda, even her, like she has really shitty parents who basically mistreat her and say, no, you're dumb. Why are you reading? You dumb, stupid bitch. And stuff like that. You know, know, what I think is so refreshing about this book compared, like I want to highlight a difference. I really, one of the reasons I love this is because of the relationship between the the kid and his caretaker. A lot of Dolls books have it start out with, you know, James and the Giant Peach. I'm being raised by my two cruel aunts, mm-hmm. um, Matilda. Uh, I have dumb. Well, I have dumb parents. Our, my parents are dumb, and I have to Char- go to this school. And Charlie. Okay, no, okay, that's fair. Charlie has his his mom, his dad, his mom, and his all his grand grandparents. He just lives um, in poverty. No, in that, poverty. yeah, that, okay, that's true. There is that situation, but also like the BFG. Uh, Sophie oh, yes. is in an orphanage where. When you're, if you're a bad kid, uh, the, the, or, the, what's, I don't remember the, I don't remember the, uh, the orphan mother lady's name, it, but she like locks you in a basement with rats and stuff like that. And I think also, um, and this is something he says, that's one thing I try to do is I try to join in with the kids against the adults. Mm-hmm. And that, again, another thing that plays up quite a bit, like kids, being smarter than the adults. I, I, this, it's a very Nickelodeon mindset. <laughs> no, Kids, rule! Actually, no, it was a very smart... That was actually a marketing technique, and it worked. It did. It worked really well. Like, damn. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and it's true. Like, that is something that is really... Uh, that it, it really appeals to kids. It's like, kids don't want to be talked down to. They want to be seen as individuals. So and that's the thing Roald Dahl was able to get. And our last question actually does kind of go into this too with um, commonly used things in, in Dahl's books. So Alex's last question: 
Uh, Road Doll's books commonly use the archetype good children versus bad children, or sorry, good children rewarded versus bad children punished trope in a lot of his books. However, in this one, both good, which would be Luke, and bad, or Bruno, are left as mice. Why do you think that Dahl chose to end the book on the rather dark note of the boy and his grandmother celebrating the fact that as a mouse he will have a short life? Story? I'd say that we I say we did touch on that, but um, in short, it's just, I I think it's I think it's a nice punch that the book actually needed. Mm-hmm. So I I mean I I think Bruno Jenkins is necessary for the story because it does it does add a little bit more tension. In terms of like, great, now we got to deal with this this kid who just wants to eat all the time, and um, it, it honestly, the it would make sense why they would suddenly bring in a kid. And um, is it weird to say? I kind of think it. Hmm. No, I'm thinking about this because it is necessary for them to bring in a kid to show to the witches. Watch as my potion works and then you he's able to witness this like the narrator is able to witness this kid suddenly turn into a mouse and it's horrifying and i think that's a very strong scene i'm trying to think how necessary uh bruno jenkins is though to the story i mean he can create a little bit of tension in terms of like oh god we gotta drag this kid around but it's like i think he kind of pats out the story a little bit i think that's the intention Mm. Basically to show the contrast between, like, his relationship with his parents versus his grand, like, the narrator's relationship with the grandmother. But is it bad that a part of me kind of wishes, like, to make it even more horrific that, like, she stomps on him? Like, he actually does die? Is that a horrific thought? Like, that would... I think that would be way too bleak. (laughs) That would even be way too bleak. That way we don't have to deal with Bruno or his parents and this whole, like, he is such a dick. I prefer the nonchalance and, like, the low-key cruelty <laughs> of, do you, what do you think ever happened to Bruno? Oh, probably knowing drowned. his parents, they probably drowned him in a bucket. Oh, that sucks. Quiet. So anyway, and they just move <laughs> on. Just don't give a shit about Bruno Jenkins. I, I don't know. Like, he was... He set ants on fire. I mean, what can happen? <sighs> I never set ants on fire. <laughs> was that he was it? Wasn't he doing something like that? Yeah. Well, the, no, Bruno it, did. Yes. Yeah, Bruno did. Um, he was also the kid who would say, "Well, my parents are richer than your parents." And to which I'm surprised the narrator didn't say, "I don't have parents, but you feel like shit now, don't you?" Then Bruce Wayne walks up and goes, like "My parents are dead, and I'm rich." Bruno was there more to like, is like how how Alex poses in his question is that both good and bad were punished in this story. I think Bruno was there to more like shit is going to happen to you whether you're a good person or not and it's all about right. how you approach it. You mm-hmm. know how you come to terms with it where like Luke was like, "Well, I think it's not so bad being a mouse." And Bruno's like, "I'm just going to keep eating and doing what I did before." Portions <laughs> all got bigger. That makes this. me so happy. Yeah. Oh, you know that's actually you know that's actually a good way to I think that's actually good theming if you think about it. like it's the and I mean like I said Rodal went through all the shit but I that actually makes the book even more likable because it's the idea that it makes me even more pissed at the movie is the idea it's like yeah this is a horrible thing but 
they're trying to make a good light of it. And it's the idea that bad things can't happen to good people, mm-hmm. but it's the way you view it and see the good in it. To his credit, Bruno actually really didn't seem to mind being a mouse either. He had his own reasons, but you saw how cheerfully he was just like, hello, mom, hello, dad. <laughs> no you more know? school for me. I'll live in the cupboard. I can just eat all the time. Yay, me. So really, as long as uh, they speculate that that's what happened, but my honest hope is that Bruno also gets to live a little happy little mouse life. He gets to be a little fat little they, mouse. They just leave him in a room and just give him food all the time. Yeah. And then he lives out his the I other. I feel like they the, kept him in a cage and they just kept giving him food and slowly his little like boy brain got dumb until he was a normal mouse. Which still wouldn't necessarily be a bad life for Bruno. For Bruno, no. It's better to be drowned in the fire bucket. Just get eats and eats and eats. Oh, man. Those were good questions. Yes. Thank you. Thank you to Dobie Does, who submitted his questions through the patron-only Discord. If you're a fan of this show, go check out the other shows in Creative Horror and be a patron to one of them. And you can go check out the Discord. And then thank you. Or... or <laughs> Or any, or all of them. Yeah, yep. any of them. We will, we will, for any um, books coming up, we will accept questions through the uh, Discord, or patrons uh, can email us as well. Or any we will accept pa- can email us. We also take them any- through Twitter. That too. Twitter is helpful as well. But yeah, no, this was fun. I enjoyed doing this. And now I think we've covered all of our um, our childhood reads, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I still think that at some point that we got to see House the House of the Clock and its Walls, the movie. That I think, and maybe Before talk about that. We we're running out of time then because it's been theaters since since before. I think all of us were in Florida. All I'm saying is I think it might be relevant to our interests, mm-hmm. uh, despite the fact that I have no love in my heart whatsoever for Eli Roth. <laughs> uh, but out of the three that I've read of our childhood books. Thief of Always is my favorite. I really enjoyed Thief of Always. It's really good. I, I'm thank you for introducing that to us, Sade. You're welcome. With obviously my um, favorite too. <laughs> so uh, our next story for November is uh, we're actually returning to our graphic novels, and uh, we're going to go with uh, the second choice that was chosen. Which is um, Through the Woods by Emily Carroll. Awesome. Looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope you all have a good October out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't take any wooden nickels or mysterious apples. Beware any woman who keeps scratching her head while wearing gloves. and uh, or, it, or has blue spit. Or has blue spit. So David, do look you at her nostrils. plug any shows? I do have a plug if we're wrapping up. That seems fair. Uh, well, obviously, it's the it's the season of Midnight Marinera's uh, five year anniversary, so we keep an eye out. We've got a, a full slew of audio dramas coming out. One came out at the beginning of the month, which was written by our friend and fellow creative horror uh, member Abysme uh, for the show called Lure. There's going to be a couple more mm. coming up. And uh, also UCA, as always, got its weekly thing going on. We're exploring a few of the stories we covered on Midnight Marinera on there just to kind of get a sense of the original narrative material that got adapted. Uh, so there will be more where that came from. So that's that's my plug. So The Witching Hour is hosting a jack-o'-lantern carving contest. 
Yes, I'm going to be a judge. You are. Myself, uh, Ravel, and Kayla will be judging it. And uh, so essentially, it's just a jack-o'-lantern carving contest. If you're in an area that doesn't have pumpkins, that's okay, because you can carve any fruit or vegetable. The rules are on creativehorror.com. Um, essentially, you just have to hollow something out, carve a face, and stick a light in it, and then send us a picture. Um, but definitely check out creativehorror.com for like the full details. The deadline is the 28th, and I'm super excited for it. I look forward to this because it means I get to look at pictures and judge them rather than try to read and yes. be like, oh. <laughs> it's easier to judge. <laughs> um, so uh, I think Gracie said it perfectly. It's time to um, head on out. Uh, I don't want Sade's uh, uh, allergies to act up from the dust. Uh, we be- we should probably clean this library up at some point, but uh, let's uh, call it a night and uh, blow out the candles. And I blew them out. <laughs>